0: From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants podcast. It is great to be back with you. I'm excited about the topic today. We've talked about language learning for the last three episodes, and we're not going to talk about it this time. Um, <laughs>
0: Hopefully. <laughs> yeah.
1: But first, I, I can't get ahead of myself. I need to introduce a few other people here with me. Freya Galindo to the left. Hi there. Emily Armstrong. Hey everyone. And AJ Fry across from us. Hey guys. And then Chelsea Fry.
2: Fun Facts with Chelsea. Fun fact: Grapes explode when you put them in the microwave. <laughs> oh, we don't have any grapes. I want to do that. Okay, <laughs> I want to try. So it. now we have a charge for all of our listeners.
0: I feel like, so, like that's obvious, though, right? Like, what? Is that obvious? I've no. never thought about. I mean, I've never put a grape in the if microwave. If
2: anything, I thought it would deflate. Like
0: really, just melt. All the
2: all the water would come we don't out, have out of grapes. it. Grapes.
3: Although a there's a lot of things that explode, explode if you put it in the yeah. microwave.
1: Trust me, I've had to clean the microwave because I've hamsters, been stupid. Cats. Oh, oh. Yes. What do you think? <laughs> oh, my oh, God. Hamsters. Oh. Do you know what a hamster is? Yeah. Frigga, I you and I are over here just aghast at these people. What are they talking my about? My friend's
2: yeah. little sister blew up their hamster in the microwave. This is
1: the best
0: story. You Why? have to tell it now. Wait you a second. Can <laughs> we this just put a short this story. on yes, our podcast? Can. Yes, we can. It's a short so story. So
2: my, my friend, her little sister was playing with their hamster and wanted to send it on, like, a beach vacation. So oh, full,
1: full disclosure, full disclosure. No. If you have have, have a queasy stomach, oh. if you oh, have on. a hamster as a it's pet. Funny.
2: this is an audio podcast. No, it was an accident. Okay, <laughs> it was an accident. It makes it all okay. Um, so she wanted to send the hamster on a beach vacation, so she sent it to get a tan. Of course. In the microwave. <laughs> she put it in for, like, five minutes. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a hamster after that. And microwave, I think. I, I think I would have just thrown I the microwave away. That, I mean, that, hamster, I, was, that hamster was I forever hope. in
0: paradise. So.
2: <laughs> oh, it was an ultimate beach vacation. Like cheeseburger in <laughs> paradise. I just... I have like image, image <laughs> we're gonna like mind. get a note from oh, Animal cruelty so Services yeah could
1: you please <laughs> not do your podcast anymore I feel oh my so gosh.
3: bad okay well how did favorite, we get to this point Scott's favorite gross food story to tell is about eating guinea pigs in Ecuador so yeah, yeah. Huh, if you can tell right. that story freely they're it's cousins. pretty close they're
1: really yeah. <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by PETA <laughs> 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 um, mm. actually this story Deals with what we're going to talk about.
3: I knew, really. <laughs> <laughs> she had the whole thing playing grapes or hamsters in the microwave.
1: <laughs> hamsters, because this friend of yours, how old?
2: We were like in middle school, so her little sister was her younger. Sister, oh, right? she yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So like
1: elementary in my mind, eight years old. Probably yeah. Mm, that's a good. Uh, Had not taken into account the context (laughs) of where. So many groans. Why? (laughs) (laughs) The context of why and where this hamster would actually be able to get get some rays.
2: I think this is the equivalent of a (laughs) podcast dad dad joke.
1: Yes. So (laughs) I'm I'm trying to to, to use this as a segue. Lord help us. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to be talking about contextualization. I have another story that actually will help us dive into this. So I was in a room, a big room, a public place with a lot of people several weeks ago. And I just decided to take off. I was Dressed, you know, in khakis and a nice shirt. And so I decided in that public place to take off my belt, to take off my shoes. And I was just in that place. That's a little awkward, right? I mean, a lot of us would say that's probably inappropriate activity. But if I were to tell you it was in the TSA line, in the security line at the airport, you would say, oh, clearly that's normal. And putting it into context, everyone else had to do that as well. The thing we're going to be talking about today is contextualization. The main part, the root of that word is context. And it essentially refers to, I love one of our uh, former missionaries and professors, Howard Colbertson says, the process of meaningfully connecting biblical truth or revelation to a specific culture is called contextualization. So you have the gospel, the truth from the Bible, the truth from the word of God, but you have to figure out how that fits in different cultures. So let's kind of talk about this contextualization. Does anyone else want to give maybe a a different definition or kind of what you think of when you hear that big word? It's a word that we use a lot in missionary circles, but maybe a lot of our listeners aren't used to, to using that.
0: So we do. I think we've mentioned this before, like with our teams. Sometimes we do what we call the, an urban experience, or um, where we we take them out to a, a community in the, in the city, a, usually a busy a busy uh, neighborhood, and we divide them up into a couple teams, and we send them in different directions. And their whole goal is just to observe the culture and. They come back with notes and ideas and things. And my, my goal for them is to like to challenge them. How are we going to plant a church in this community that you just observe? And even though they were just out there for an hour, it wasn't an extensive, like, in-depth review or interview with anybody. But just to kind of get them in the mindset of how to see this community for what it is and how to begin to think how are we going to reach these people in their context? So like in their in environment, how are we going to present the word of God to them in this? And a lot of times, sometimes they come back with, Oh, I would invite them to the church building, you know? And they're like, well, did you see a place to put this church building? And a lot of times the answer is no, There was packed, you know, mm-hmm. building next to building, just people flooding the streets. And, and so, okay, so how are you going to, how are you going to invite them to this building that doesn't exist? Oh, well, that makes me rethink, you know, how, how would I, how would I be the church or how would I invite them to be a part of the church, a part mm-hmm. of this in this context? And I really like that exercise because it starts to help them to think differently and starts to open their eyes. And we challenge them to go back to their home culture and do the same activity. You know, open your eyes to what is in your neighborhood and how you can contextualize, how you can put the church into the, the community's context. And so that's, when I think of contextualization, that's the, that's the image I think of like kind of opening your viewpoint to, to what's around you. How, how are the people wired, if you will?
1: So foundational to this whole concept is the fact that it will be different to yes. plant a church, to be the church. Right. in such and such a place compared to another place. Right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's really important. And a lot of us don't think of that. A lot of us think what works here will work anywhere. Sure. Mm-hmm. There right. are books even that are written that are so myopic. And what I mean by that is just nearsighted, saying basically, usually from a U.S. perspective, here's the way that you can make your church grow. Here's mm-hmm. the way that you can have success. Here's the way, you know. And I want to say, well, that worked for you in that place at that time, but will it work in a different place? I'm not always certain. Sometimes there are foundations and principles that will definitely work, of course, but that's the essence of contextualization. What are the biblical principles that will work any place, even when our methods change, even when our strategies change?
3: I think that's the... Challenge of contextualization. And I know I've said it before on the podcast, but like the gospel has to speak to everything. There is not one single situation that is in this world that the gospel message of Jesus dying on the cross, resurrecting from the grave, beating death and resurrecting in power does not speak to that situation. So even if it's a poor community that deals with human trafficking or it's a very high class community that deals with consumerism or whatever your community is or the, the um, culture is of what they're Things are like the gospel speaks to everything. So finding how does the gospel speak? And I think sometimes as Christians, we lack that vocabulary, even like we we run into things that we're like, oh, I know that's bad. But Mm -hmm. like, how does the gospel speak to this or how does somebody's life change? You know, I feel so powerless when I think about human trafficking. But like, instead of feeling powerless, what does the gospel say to that if we're placed in those situations? And it's the challenge to me of contextualization is what does the Bible say, even though the word human trafficking was never mentioned in it, of how it does reach those cultures. And it's not changing the gospel message at all. It's saying this is the way that God has created us to be. Mm-hmm. And this is, and and I think a lot of it for me is based on the, the very beginning belief that we were created in God's image. So if we truly believe that everybody was created in God's image, then the gospel is going to help Freya be the best Mexican that she can be and it's going to help Chelsea be the best person from the United States she can be even though we're in different countries and we're, you know, bringing on other cultures or whatever, but the gospel helps us become who God created us to be inside of that. So I don't know if that that makes sense or it hits home, but I think we have to have some like core Biblical principles in order to even figure out what contextualization means
1: your human trafficking example was very interesting that phrase never appears but What does the Bible have to say about this a lot of people would think "Ah, I don't know that it says much of anything But you've already said well first of all a foundation of the Bible is that we are all created in God's image We are all worth it. He died for all Mm -hmm. but then even as you bore down a little bit more You can see, well, Joseph was a victim of human trafficking. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't think of that. You know, there's plenty of examples of human trafficking or immigration or different things. And how can we uh, realize what the Bible is saying for today's issues? Mm -hmm. Maybe we should, instead of using the word contextualization all the time and maybe keeping it very academic, what if we just said this? How much should we change or innovate in order to reach the culture. That's kind of the essence of contextualization. How much, I'll repeat it, how much should we change or innovate in order to reach the culture? We read a an article from Ed Stetzer. We've uh, mentioned him before on the podcast. What jumped out from that article to some of you? So
4: in the article, Ed Stetzer says, uh one of the most basic things when it comes to contextualize is understanding that we're not the only ones that are right. So sometimes mm-hmm. as a church we think we have all the answers and our methods, not not our message, but our methods are the ones that are correct, that are mm-hmm. right, and we have the answer and that's that's it. If somebody else tries to uh, bring another method, another tool or or something that is Uh, different compared to what we are uh, comfortable with then no that's bad Mm. that's not uh, (laughs) sometimes we say that's not christian
1: Mm. you know so Uh, even you're saying even like what our church service looks like mm -hmm. and what you wear yeah like a lot of
4: like things that doesn't have to deal with our message but Mm -hmm. with our like methods or Mm -hmm. how do we look Mm -hmm. or you know
1: or what type of music Mm -hmm. yes yes Good yeah. point, good
2: point. So, for me, one of the things that, that stood out in in some articles that we read was just the example that Christ served as con- contextualization and, and taking on this message and, like, translating it to the people. Jesus entered, and he was fully God and fully human. I think that speaks a lot of who we are supposed to be as Christians and people that are trying to make disciples in all the nations is we are fully devoted to God, but at the same time, trying to break down this cultural barrier of even, I mean, you can even argue that contextualization happens in your own community. If, if you are in a place that you've grown up your whole life, um, but you understand the gospel to be a message of freedom and of liberation from sin, but the people in your community see it as like a rule list. Then you've got to translate that. You've got to show them that it's that there's been a miscommunication somewhere along the line. So it doesn't have to be like this huge change. It can just be simple things. I mean, Jesus used parables to communicate the gospel. So how often are we going around and telling stories about how the mm-hmm. gospel? Has changed us um, in our own communities, let alone in missional context of mm-hmm. of a whole different culture.
0: That's mm-hmm. a good point because Jesus used those parables were stories of mm-hmm. that people in that day understood. Like it was weird. Like if he the the parable of the of the lost son. Uh, when he comes back, the the father took off running, and that was abnormal for them. Like we'd be like, "Oh, okay, he ran to his, his son. That's normal, right?" <laughs> in, that's, our context. <laughs> in our context, but for them, that's not normal. That's that's rare. So I had not thought of that before. That
1: or even using parables of of the, a sower and the vine. Sure, yeah, those were things that were accessible there. Right. And so for us, it's not less holy or less Christian to use a parable of computers or of mm. sports, or of yeah. something that's nowadays prevalent. That's exactly what Jesus was doing in those yeah. times.
2: And he even used, like, what we would call slang language. Like, mm. he used a language that was relevant to the time. So, like, we served as youth pastors, and we jokingly were, like, we would joke with our teenagers. What are you—they would say, "This is you're so salty.
3: Mm.
2: That does not mean the salt of the earth, in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> it means you have an attitude problem. Mm. And so, like— we were intentional about having them teach us language that they related to. And when we would use it, it would be funny, but they would stick with them. Yeah. And so we've talked about language learning for the past three episodes. Like even that applies in, in a missional context, but even in your non-visional context. Yeah, like when I'm
4: uh, preparing my sermons to preach here in the DR, uh, sometimes I want to use example examples from Mexico, but those mm-hmm. examples don't apply mm-hmm. to here. Right. So I need, like, for example, if I'm talking about food, if I say, oh, my favorite food, my favorite food is da-da-da, but that, no, they don't know that food yeah. here, right. you know, so I have to change, oh, plantains or, you know, rice here, yes. you know. And sometimes I would share about soccer, you know like mm. in Mexico that's the main sport right. sure. but here they don't play that like well they know maybe what soccer is but not everybody but if i say baseball then oh yeah, yeah. they right. can They're relate hooked. to that right
1: mm-hmm. good point good example so let's do this howard colbertson says authentic contextualization must travel on two rails so if you think of a, you know a, a railway One rail is an unwavering faithfulness to scripture. We have to have that, right? We can't negotiate on that. But he says the other rail is that of communicating and living out the word of the Lord in ways that are familiar, that's the key word, to people in a particular cultural context. So we also have to have that part too, right? We don't want to only have one side of the rail or the train will crash. So let's talk about that. Let's talk first about let's go the negative side first. When have we seen one of those sides of the rail or one of those rails not being given enough attention? Does that make sense? So when have we seen Christians that have tried to become relevant and have diluted the gospel or have just decided we're not even going to try to be relevant? I don't know if that makes sense. Do you have any
2: examples? For me, um, we just participated in a, in a huge urban invasion um, with a bunch of Dominicans, and we also had a team from the States with us at the same time. But one of the things that caught my attention and just kind of was interesting to process through in my own way was I got on the team that we did door-to-door evangelism. And I've never been comfortable with door-to-door evangelism. It's not. It's not. You go and you know the person that you're evangelizing. It's. It's a cold call. So you show up, you see somebody, and you tell them, "Do you know Jesus?" and mm. explain who he is, and give them a track. And it just rubs me such the wrong way because I believe so much in discipleship. Um, and I was thinking about it in this culture. So we're in the Dominican Republic um dominicans are extremely relational they they love being together they love having fun together they live i mean we were just at our house last night and there were like five people that just showed up randomly and so if i really think about the dominican culture in this evangelism context door-to-door evangelism is not a strategy that should work here because it's not it's not contextualized correctly Um, I'm not saying that door-to-door evangelism is going to send all these people to hell. That's not it at all. But I just mean, how much more effective would we have been if we would have even made sure that someone from the local congregation was with us and started with just a conversation of who are you? What do you do for a living? How many kids do you have? If we would have started there versus do you know Jesus? Mm In this culture, getting to know someone is worth, like the investment that you make is, is capital. You can cash in on that later. And so if that person from the congregation that was with us went back later and said, you know how we came over? I would love for you to come to my house or I would love for you to come with me to a service. I think for us, the thing we actually did was a bad example of con- contextualization. But when I think about how we could do it better you could still call it door-to-door evangelism, but just contextualize it to Dominican culture. It would be much more effective.
1: It's interesting you raised that because uh, I think the experience of many other people was really positive and creative. Like in, in, during that event, that same event. I know, Emily, you had a group that was just going out and praying to bless businesses. There were lots of people that were open to that. Right. We were in groups that were, you know, playing uh It's kind of a type of baseball. And then afterwards, we'd have some of the teens would say, hey, we're not here just to play baseball. Here's the real reason why we're here. But we had already developed that.
2: Right. And so both of your examples, you built a relationship first. Emily walked in and asked the business owner, how can we pray for you, Mm -hmm. the business owner? Or how can we get to know you better? And you were playing a game with people. We walked up to their front door and said, do you know Jesus? This was a huge event and there were different spokes to the entire wheel, right? And so my spoke was, it felt very, um, this technique was taught to them Hmm. by someone outside of their culture. This
1: is what evangelizing means. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. It's like when we say who can be a missionary and people say people from the United States. That's not correct. Yeah. That's been taught to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's through example. Maybe somebody has walked with these people door to door and done evangelism that way. But if we were to truly contextualize it, it would be
1: deeper. Right. Emily, you added some great examples that we were talking about earlier.
3: Yeah, I think uh, when I was trying to think of some of the things that I've heard of experiences that I've heard, I've heard of churches that hire either a worship band leader or maybe even the whole band And just recently we were talking to a pastor that like came into a congregation and um, he said the person that was there to play the piano or the drums or something like that wasn't even a Christian like he saw it as a job. Like to come to a job on Sunday morning to play piano. And then when he was done with his stuff, he would leave during the service and they would come back for the altar call or whatever, you know. He would
1: talk in the lobby, not even be a part of the sermon or service. Yeah.
3: So I think that's unhealthy contextualization when we start to be like, hey, really great music is going to help people know who Mm. Jesus is, you know. So like we're going to contextualize. But that immediately came to my mind when I was thinking, and there's a lot of congregations that pay professional people and I'm not against like helping some people, you know, if that's, but at least like, allow it to be ministry and worship. And like when we're talking about worship yeah. through music, you know, that it's going to be very hard for somebody to lead worship to God if they're not even in a relationship with God. So to me, I would be very against that and say, that's just wrong
1: for me. Well, And it communicates the most important thing is having good music, right? The it quality does not. Of music. It does not communicate. The most important thing is your heart relationship with Christ.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. So
1: in that case, one of the rails, we forgot. We yeah, we, forgot, yeah, we, we <laughs> forgot one of the rails in order to be relevant and be excellent musicians and just look great. Yeah. Sound great.
3: And the other one I thought of is it seems like small groups are a really big deal now in multiple places around the world. We talk about small groups or cell groups or uh, whatever it is. And I've seen a lot of them, or I feel like I've heard testimony that turn more into like, it almost feels like a book club of like, oh, we kind of read and we're just going to opine is a word that Scott uses. We're just going (laughs) to give our opinion on things. And there's not anybody that truly dug down into the Mm -hmm. scriptures and is Mm -hmm. bringing the Bible as like a source of authority. It's just like, so what do you think, AJ? What do you think, Freya? And it's like, just what do we think? And I think there comes a level of cell group and Bible study when we should be studying the Bible. And um, we've gotten away from studying the Bible on multiple levels of cell groups And it's just kind of a social club. And we see it as a good time. Like the church would say, well, that's our time when we know each other and we use it as fellowship. But then say this is fellowship time. Don't clothe it in the context of, but this is our discipleship time. Like it's two different things.
1: That reminds me of um, just, it's very popular right now to have like coffee uh, shop ministry or a cafe. And uh, I was speaking with a very respected pastor that I love and respect very much, but he's just, he's just done with this idea and I think it can work. And he, I think deep down thinks it can work too. But he just said one time he was very interested. This is a creative way of reaching people. And so he went on a Saturday and they had invited him. And um, he thought he was kind of being invited to bring a message. And so he was thinking how to be relevant and, and just a good message. Well, there was no time for any message. It was people drinking coffee together. And he said, so this is your church and you know and the people were like oh yeah yeah that's that's what we do and he said well there was no sharing of the word at any point like he was listening to different tables and nobody was talking about god no one was talking about the word nobody was to- now again you can do that you can go there but don't call it don't call it church if if you're not going to truly be um intentionally trying to help people to know Christ. Does that make sense? Like during the week, build relationships with them that way. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. But don't call that moment, ah, that's our cell group. That's our discipleship group. That is our church. So, I mean, I don't know if that's too strong or does does that resonate with anybody?
2: I think both of your examples, the the small group or the coffee shop ministry— can be done correctly Mm. that's the like the
1: knocking on the doors right Right. it
2: can be done correctly it's just that we have to contextualization is not trendy those two words are not equivalent that's Mm
0: -hmm. good and
2: so like just because you're the trendy thing to do is meet in small groups it doesn't mean that that's effective so how are we going to make it effective how do we take something that's trendy? and make it effective we have to be super intentional we have to train our small group leaders to dig into the word we have to train our coffee shop ministry that we intentionally place people that are going to make the conversation deep we train them on how to have a conversation it's really hard to have a conversation Mm. in today's world Mm. and so maybe they don't know how to take it to that next level of depth Mm. that's where we as the higher up church say, we're going to invest in these leaders of these different ministries to take it to that discipleship level Mm -hmm. instead of just fellowship.
1: This has been really good. Um, We will include some of those links to, to some of those articles in the show notes. I think it's, it's important. I, I like what Stetzer says. He actually says, if we have lost the clear proclamation of the gospel or we downplay repentance and forgiveness, then that's a sign that we've crossed what he calls an uncrossable line. Like we've tried to become too relevant and we've forgotten the gospel. Mm. He says, if we teach the message in such a way that excludes or de-emphasizes the Bible in any way, then we've gone too far. And then he says, if we find ourselves underplaying the role of Jesus in salvation or the necessity to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior— You know, something that's not popular as we try to just kind of build relations, you know, mm-hmm. relationships. Um, he says, we've still gone too far. Mm. And I think that's a good barometer. That's a good measure. Um, this is, it, we could really talk a lot about this. Uh, I know time is, uh, time is ending here, but this is the essence of the missionary task. This is the essence even of who we are as Christians, Right. Um, we must figure out in t- this time, in this day, in this age, how to preach, how to share, how to communicate the truths of the gospel. And uh, that, that's the essence of all that we do. Emily, where can they find us if they'd like to get in touch with us and kind of post a comment or just ask further questions?
3: Find us on Facebook at Worthless Servants Podcast, and you can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org
4: at the podcast time.
1: Awesome. Contextualization. I think this this has been good. We are the Worthless Servants, and I am Scott Armstrong.
4: I am Fleya Elinda.
2: I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. And I'm Chelsea Fry.
1: It's been great being with you. I'll talk to you next time.
0: For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.